I'm Mike Moody. And I'm Grant Davis. And this is CreatePod, a podcast about the art of podcasting. Welcome back to CreatePod from Permanent Record Studios in Austin, Texas. Grant, today we have an in-depth conversation with a true podcast junkie and a great podcaster in his own right, Wisconsin's own Nick Tice? Tice. Thighs. Nick Thighs. I always said Nick Thighs, and he corrected (laughs) me on that and said, please stop calling me Nick Thighs. Well, it's T-H-Y-E-S. It looks like thighs. Right, right, right. Yeah. Nick is great because he is is one of those, I'm going to use this word, unapologetic geeks. He's a a true fan who figured out how to take and capitalize on that fandom to just create a podcast that is unbridled enthusiasm and joy – for uh, particular subjects that he's discussing. Yeah, he hosts the Unapologetic Geek Out podcast. Perfectly named. And it has two spinoffs, the Netflix and Kill, where they review a Netflix movie in which one person has to die in the movie, at least, (laughs) and Pod Against Evil, a fan podcast about uh, the IFC TV show Stand Against Evil, which everybody watches. It's like the biggest show ever, right? (laughs) No, exactly. (laughs) What he's done is very smart here in that he's... He's drilled down and found a particular show that is very niche, and he's focused and dedicated to talking about this show that's able to grab a very particular and passionate fan base, and they're, they're all, anyone who's invested in this show, like him, is going to be a big fan. Because yeah. it's, it's not one of those, it's not a big Game of Thrones fan show or whatever, and that's, he, he's, he's found a, a particular show that's perfect for him. Yeah, he might be the only Stand Against Evil podcast on the internet. So he, he definitely targets a fan base. So when I talked to Nick, I really wanted to just focus on Stand Against Evil because it's such a, a niche podcast. I wanted to talk about like niche podcast marketing, niche podcasting. But you know Nick. He likes to talk. Yeah. Once he starts, he doesn't stop. We ended up talking about so much more. Uh, so there's a lot of insight in this conversation about marketing, about starting a podcast, about public speaking, interviewing, interviewing celebrities. Because um, he's talked to like every single actor who's on this show, uh, Stand Against Evil. So we talk about all of Nick's podcasts, how podcasting has boosted his career as a public speaker at fan conventions. Big surprise. And his career as a freelance writer for sites like That'sMyEntertainment.com. So you did this one without me. I wasn't there. Yeah, I think we had a schedule thing. And I was actually on the road uh, when I did this interview. Nick is all the way in Wisconsin. Obviously, we're in Austin. And this is not a studio interview. I called Nick from a mobile Skype connection. So the audio quality is actually pretty good, but it's not studio quality. So just a heads up. Well, folks, without further ado, here is the Create Pod interview with Nick Thighs. <laughs> Thighs. Stand Against Evil. Why did you decide to start a podcast about this tiny, obscure IFC show? Well, that's a good question. Um... It has to do, <laughs> um, boy, the origin story for Pot Against Evil. Uh, I love this. Uh, it's it actually starts with Janet Varney, believe it or not. Uh, we doing another podcasting project, uh, the Unapologetic Geek Outer UGO podcast. 
One of the first people I actually ever interviewed in a live setting was Janet Varney at Daisho Khan, uh, like three years ago. That uh, led to a conversation about, you know, some of her other projects like Korra and You're the Worst. And then she mentioned an upcoming project called Stand Against Evil, which I was unfamiliar with. And uh, so we actually scheduled a, a another interview a couple months later. And I made sure to look up the show and get ready for it. Otherwise, I would have no idea about this show because <laughs> the marketing has not been that prevalent over on IFC. And so when I first started watching, I watched season one and I was like, oh my goodness, this is, this is actually a really good show. I'm actually really into it. And then uh, when they sh- started showing two at a time, I thought like, oh, well, this is a show that they're burning off. This won't get more than one season. So I kind of just didn't think about it anymore. And then sure enough, uh, the next fall season, it gets a season two. And at that point, I was uh, getting a little, I was a little bored with the the podcasting projects. I was, I mean, I already did the UGO podcast. We was doing Netflix and Kill for movie reviews, but I was looking for something to do to keep things fresh. And then suddenly the big podcasting thing that was in vogue at the time were episode by episode breakdowns of tv shows like i started listening to buffering the vampire slayer uh mike your podcast uh, mr robot o is one of the better ones out there one pretty good and even less was roping me into uh his middleman breakdown for the good die young so uh oh also i shouldn't forget uh, randy's podcast uh, beach cop detectives so i was like oh you know what that's it's a really good format i like it uh there's a there's an inherent structure to it. I just I just really liked the format of it, so I wanted to give it a try. And I was struggling to find a TV show to to try it with, and I, I kind of narrowed it down to either I was going to do a Justified breakdown uh, of the TV show Justified because I love that show, or Stand Against Evil. And I picked Stand Against Evil because it was newer. I thought the listenership would have been a little bit more active and it was shorter and it seemed like an e- easier to cut my teeth on a 22 minute episode episode length and an eight <laughs> an eight episode season count uh plus there was already uh, another podcast uh, covering justified so there's a few things i want to ask about based on your answer to my first question i think i want to start with meeting janet varney because not only is that cool but you found out about Stand Against Evil by literally meeting the star of the show at yes. a con, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're standing in line with her and she told you about it because you recognized her because she's a semi-famous comedian. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's kind of a fun story of how I actually met her because it wasn't a traditional interview because I was a no-name podcaster back then. I was maybe I had done two episodes of, of a pod or two episodes of a podcast at that point. And so I'm standing outside of the Women of Comedy panel that Janet was going to host because I was a big fan of her work uh, in Cora and, uh, you know, some of her other sitcom stuff and improv. And so while I'm waiting in line, there's this cute blonde uh, next to me. And I was like, oh, well, maybe I'll strike up a conversation with her while I'm waiting. And turns out, and then I was like, oh, this blonde looks familiar. Oh, my God. It's Janet Varney herself waiting for her own panel, waiting for the previous panel to let out. 
since she was literally two feet away from me, I didn't really, I didn't have enough time to talk myself out of uh, asking her for an interview. Because if I had thought about it for a while, like I, I would, I would probably definitely would have like psyched myself out of it. But uh, I asked her right then and there, and of she, of course, being the amazing human being that she is, took time out of her day to do a, like a five minute interview with me. And yeah, now we've done a couple interviews together, and uh, I've interviewed a couple other times for a couple other different projects. And it's she's just a really, really amazing person. Like if you. I mean, I always listen to the JV Club, her other podcast, where she does interviews with people. And that's actually kind of where I develop my interview style when I'm talking to other, you know, celebrities or just doing interviews with people at cons. It's one of the better examples of, you know, meet your heroes, uh, which I consider Janet Varney kind of one of mine as a podcaster that does, you know, interview work. And so that, yeah, that was a really interesting way for me to learn about a show is directly from the star's mouth. But <laughs> it's it's not surprising considering whenever I tell people about the show, I usually have to tell like, oh, hey, what do you do a podcast? And oh, I do a podcast about this show you've never heard of. So let me first explain the show <laughs> and then explain the podcast to you yeah, so that you kind of know what I'm talking about. <laughs> a couple things I want to touch on there. I think um, first, it's interesting that you say... If you had more time when you met Janet in that interview, you said that if you had more time, you might have talked yourself out of asking her for an interview or you might have talked yourself out of asking her to come on your podcast, but you just didn't ignore that impulse and you asked her right away. I know there's probably some people listening to this who go to cons or, you know, they go to events and they see influencers or celebrities that they want to talk to and they're who would be a great fit for their audience. So tell me more about that impulse and how you kind of got around to asking her to be on the show or, you know, what, what made you feel comfortable doing that? Well, the reason I started doing interviews at uh, conventions was right after I asked Janet, because I just literally got the idea in my head. We had never done interviews before. I just got the idea in my head, like, Oh, she would be a great, person to do an interview with and i wanted to ask her about a bunch of podcasting stuff anyway because she runs her own and and publishes her own and i was interested in that and when you're at a con like for for me it's was interesting because i i have to fight a lot of instincts of my own internal instincts at, at conventions people who meet me kind of like get the idea of like oh he's pretty outgoing and you know, type A personality. And it's not really, that's not really the case. Uh, that's more just me on the podcast doing the performance piece thing. It's it's not like I'm, it's not like it's all an act or anything, but I left to my own devices. I would probably not talk with a stranger at a convention. I just uh, have a little social anxiety that way. And I'm just like, oh, you know, what if I don't say the right thing? So beforehand, before the podcast stuff, I would normally like, oh, they're, you know, this celebrity, they're here to talk to other people and uh, they're, they're busy. I wouldn't want to, you know, impose. But now that I have the podcast, I kind of have an excuse to, you know, at least try and talk to people about stuff. And that's what I found to be the biggest molehill to climb for me anyway, is just the initial impulse of like going up to ask people 
for the interview, which is actually kind of a, at least at a convention setting, most people are there to talk to other people. So the the difficult part for me is just getting out of my own head and just going like, yes, this person wants to talk to me about their cosplay that they worked in uh, like the past three weeks on. They definitely want to talk about it. So I shouldn't think that I'm imposing myself on them. And that was my kind of learning experience at that con in particular. And I've I've taken that to heart for asking uh, other people for interviews now. But, you know, it's easier when... If I'm making a po- you know if I'm making a, a podcast about a show that you're on, and I'm a, I could, you could definitely tell I'm a big fan of the show. It's like it's easier to definitely ask because I'm not just asking randomly out of nowhere of like, do you want to be on this thing that you're not really a fit for, but you'd be you know you, you have a good audience that I want to kind of leech off of. No, I really wanted to talk to her about Stand Against Evil once I saw the show, so that's what our back and forth has kind of been. Yeah, you you have that context. In in terms of uh of of meeting Janet that first time, you you met her at a con, and then you were talking about how you not only have interviewed celebrities in person at cons, but for the UGO podcast, which is your other more general geek pop culture podcast, you go to cons and you meet people face to face, and you interview some of those people that have interests that you think your listeners would find interesting. But I know you also go to cons to meet people face-to-face and promote and market your podcasts. So tell me, how did you come up with the idea for that? And how successful has it been meeting people face-to-face and getting the word out about your podcast in that manner, instead of just behind a computer, but you're actually like doing face-to-face marketing? What's that like? It is... <laughs> it's difficult. Building a podcast audience out of nothing is is hard and don't let anyone tell you different. With with Stand Against Evil, with the Pod Against Evil, it's different because I have a built-in audience of people that like Stand Against Evil and I'm in a market of one of like there's only, if you want to listen to a Stand Against Evil podcast, I'm the only thing you can listen to. <laughs> You don't you don't have any options, so it, it's it's a completely different bear of, a, of of trying to of trying to reach that audience than uh, if you were to make just a generic geek site uh, or you know I'm I'm t- we we talk about geek news on the podcast we talk about movie trailers what um, we interview content creators and really the market with those is uh, the podcasting market with those is so overstuffed that it's hard to build an audience just by doing it. like any, any the the best thing about podcasting nowadays is also the worst thing about podcasting today and that is that anyone with a laptop can make a podcast and put it up on iTunes mm-hmm. and that that's what's great about the podcasting community and that's it's it's also what's really hard about it so the UGO podcast I like to think is our access podcast to where it's generic enough to where I can get in almost any convention underneath the credentials for it. Like if I was more specific, like if I was a horror podcast or I would only get under horror conventions or an anime one would, you know, only get under that. But if it's just generic geek stuff, I can get to more conventions and get to more people and do more panel work. And what I like about that is that you demo what the podcast is for people by doing panels and you show your showcase your personality which 
it's a personality based podcast. Like you can listen to anyone talk about geek news and stuff, but hopefully you like us talking about it and our, me and my, you know, my co-hosts rapport and how, you know, how we do interviews and how we do that. But you need to get people to listen to you. So one of the ways we do that is just doing panels at conventions that are basically like mini versions of the podcast. I've even, I've even held panels of how to start your own podcast and, and do that sort of thing. And it's just easier when people can see your face and put like a, put a face to the voice. Uh, we, you know, we give out the cards, we have all the info on the, you, you can, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. And I guess the convention work is just leading a bunch of these horses to water and seeing who drinks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, when we do interviews with other people and we, you know, we make sure to share, like if I, uh, you know, we do a lot of interviews with artists at an artist alley or something. And then of course, when they're on a podcast, they're very excited. They share it on their Facebooks, their Twitters and stuff like, holy shit, I was so I'm talking about my art on this podcast. Most, most of these people have never talked about it on a podcast before. Or, oh, this guy stopped me in the convention hall and just wanted to talk about my costume on his microphone. It was it was amazing. And the the audience we slowly built over time of just people one at a time, like doing interviews and then listening over in, you know, panels. Uh, we started to do special promotions for people. Like at the start of a panel, I would say like, okay, uh, here's my goal. Here's my goal for today. It's to get one of the weirdest reviews we've ever got uh, on iTunes. Everyone go and write us a five-star review on iTunes, and we'll read it live, whatever it says. We don't care. We'll read it live at the end of the show because it takes an hour for for iTunes to refresh. Mm -hmm. So we did that for a while, and we got some really weird... If you go onto our iTunes feed, you'll find really weird, (laughs) real weird stuff, just crazy, crazy things that people have written for us to just say live. Because uh, they felt like it. That's for the UGO podcast. Yep, yep, yep. So yeah, you can look it up, and we have we have all five stars. Or uh, I think it's all five star reviews, but they're like half of them do not make sense. <laughs> they they're just weird, and uh, some one of them is just a cooking recipe. I think for the best cookies ever. <laughs> like it's <laughs> that's very helpful. But, yeah, but yeah, but when you're in the iTunes game and you're trying to beat the algorithm, I, I was forced to get a little creative on, on, you know, what we do. That's why we don't, most successful podcasts nowadays nicheify into uh, a specific, very specific subject, like what I did with Pot Against Evil. That's, that's our niche podcast that has a very targeted audience. UGO is very general and it allows us to, it allows us UGO is like our utility podcast. It allows us to get to other places and then I can make connections and do more stuff with our other podcasting projects or my writing and interview work. Cause I also do some writing. I'm a freelance writer and interviewer as well. So if I were to give a suggestion to anyone out there, if you're going to do the convention circuit, uh, either know what your convention community is like, where you're, what what's around you, like, hey, what's close to you in your state or in the surrounding states to where, where it's, what's in driving distance, what's the theme, and try and figure out if you can make a, if you can tailor a podcast around that so you can get a 
uh, audience because also I love I love a live energy. You know when uh, say how did how did this get made? Whenever when they switched to doing ex- exclusively live episodes, I like the live episodes better. Yeah, yeah, they're they're more energetic because they have a crowd to interact with. It's much more like a stand up routine. Mm-hmm. So I would say if you have the opportunity to do your podcast and do it in a live setting, you should definitely take it. You should definitely do it. But that's not that's also not for everyone because a lot of people are more comfortable not in a crowd and not and you know behind a computer and and speaking to and having a little bit of a buffer between them and their audience. And I like the performance aspect. I feel like it makes me better. It's it's easier to get a reading on an audience that's, you know, that's that's live. It lets me know what's working, what doesn't. Yeah, there's just a lot of a lot of things you can learn doing just you just even do is doing a panel even if you just don't record it it's a lot of things you can learn of like uh, there's a lot of performing things you can learn by just speaking in front of a bunch of people a lot you you get a rhythm down you get a sense of what 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 they what your audience wants to listen to and i feel like that's harder when you're just behind a computer trying to do some guesswork uh, with your audience that with a few people who decide to you know, interact with you like post on your facebook wall or email you because what you'll get a at least in my experience a lot of our podcast listeners are tend to be lurkers they'll they'll listen but they'll like as far as commenting on, on a facebook post or you know put writing a review that's not usually the bag a lot of people are a little low little lower maintenance when it comes to that and they which is which is fine but that's why I like the the live setting for the conventions. Yeah, and with the live setting, I mean, getting that instant feedback from people in front of you live who you're essentially performing in front of, that has to be really motivating. You know, it has to be a lot more motivating than just sitting at home and watching your stats and hoping you're oh, going to yeah. get you're going to get more stats, but having actually meeting people and having them react to what you're doing live, that has to be really motivating for what you do. It is if I I'm going to be honest with you like if it was just about stats I would have quit being a podcaster a long time ago. Yeah. Um <laughs> I did the whole stats thing for like the first 4 months or something. Yeah. Um I also over-edited the podcast like mm-hmm. I I put for for the hour we put in I would put in 3 hours of editing and I quickly burnt myself out on it. Right. And so if if I treat my podcast as a tool, as a networking tool as well, if I treat it like that, if it's like if it's this tool to get me out there and connecting with other people in the podcasting community as well as other people in the entertainment community, and that's what led to that's what led to me doing to meeting Janet Varney, and Janet Varney led me to be to doing Pot Against Evil. Pot Against Evil led me to doing work for That's My Entertainment. That's My Entertainment got me. To, to New York Comic Con and and uh, Fantastic Fest this year, which are things I, I uh, six months ago I would have never thought I was actually going to do, much less cover for for press. So don't take for granted when you're starting out. Don't just don't take for granted what some of these things can snowball into. There was some other stuff we did that never panned out, that never met, that, that never led to anything else. It's hard to tell which which things are going to pay off for you and which things aren't. So my policy tends to be, it's not that I won't say no to somebody, but it takes a lot for me to say no. Like someone wants me on their podcast, like, hey, would you like to jump on our podcast? Sure, I'll at least jump on for one episode. I, I don't like to say no to a lot of opportunities because I just don't know what's going to 
be helpful to me later or who what who what friends am I going to make g- considering this connection right for me it's 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 been an improvement kind of in my in my life socially and uh just overall kind of been a little bit you know I I like being creative um but I don't like to sit down and write because I don't have the patience for that so this allows me to be creative but in a little more lazy of a way <laughs> but also it is it, can be a lot of work so mm-hmm. yeah i've just i've been really enjoying my time uh in the podcast community and it's a great tight-knit community at least or the the community i've experienced and i would highly recommend if it's if this sounds like your thing uh i i'm more than welcome to uh helping out any new new newcomers as well how long have you been doing ugo UGO has been four years actually now. Four years, yep. And when you when you started UGO, did you have any specific goals in mind? Like, I want to get out there more and meet more people and this will help me do it. Was that a, a goal that you had out in front or was that just a, a fun byproduct of, of making a podcast? I wanted to... It's hard to to describe it's it's actually so long it's hard to remember exactly what the initial instinct was i love podcasts i find them to be very like i i I have listened to them like at the time i was listening to them at work i would listen to like an 80 hour shift i'd plug in you know podcast after podcast uh i remember listening to the back in the old spill days like I, my first podcast i ever listened to was league of extraordinary gentlemen it felt like i had a bunch of friends that i just never talked to like it was just the quiet kid in the corner but yet it was still fun to hang out with those guys so i kind of wanted to be in it like i wanted to i wanted to not be sitting in the corner not talking anymore. i wanted to participate i think the problem was i just didn't know what to do it on and like how to get started I visited a convention for like the first time I visited a convention and I kind of got the inspiration for, well, what if I did it like this? What if I built a podcast just so I could do some live, live stuff? Because I liked talking with people at the convention. I liked performing live in front of panels and uh, doing that sort of thing. Like, well, what if I'm, yeah, well, what if I just made a podcast so I could do this? It did, like, I, I didn't even need, like, uh, the podcast doesn't even have to be good. Or it doesn't even have to like have a theme or anything. I, just so I can have an excuse to come out here and do this and put a microphone in people's faces and talk to them. <laughs> yeah, because you, man, you'd be surprised how far you can get with a microphone and a smile of just <laughs> like, oh yeah. my goodness, he's got a microphone. He's he's pretty professional. He he must be with a bigger outlet. Like if you run around a convention with a microphone and, or especially a camera and a microphone, people tend to think you're a little bit bigger than you are. You know, it, it's true. I mean, I used to be a professional journalist working for, for AOL and working for regional newspapers. And back then all I had was a little candy bar recorder. You know, it wasn't even a professional looking microphone. And even if I didn't have my press badge out, I could get in anywhere and go behind the scenes. You know, I, I could have killed Edward James almost once. You know, they, they just let me in his limo. <laughs> they just, oh, you want to, you're going in the limo with Edward? Sure. <laughs> Let's talk about Battlestar. Fine. Like that happened. You know, it was just mm-hmm. so easy. But um, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, being a podcaster, 
doesn't necessarily make you part of the you know legitimate media news landscape or or the press but the way things are now everyone wants to get their message out and you know if you're a podcaster chances are you're going to get access to celebrities you're going to get access to events and i think it was a pretty interesting strategy that you had if it was a strategy to start UGO as a general podcast where you can get into more generalized events because you're actually speaking my mind with that because I've been wanting to to go back and I've been trying to think of a, a an idea for a more general pop culture podcast for the specific reason uh, so I can get access to events mm-hmm. because my podcasts are very niche. You know, there's no Mr. Robot convention. There are Star Trek conventions, but not really in Texas. So that is a is a pretty interesting strategy in you your um, general more general podcast. The access it gives you fuels your other projects, of course including Pot Against Evil. I want to focus a little more on Pot Against Evil right now. Um, tell me about marketing Pot Against Evil to the fan base of that show. Because it's, it's, a, it's a very niche TV show, so you've got a very niche podcast about a very niche TV show. So how, how have you gone about exactly marketing your podcast, and what are the results you've seen, good or bad? Well, oh, boy, that's a... An interesting question. Uh, let me try and answer it as best as I can because I'm still kind of figuring that one out. Yeah, uh, it's my first time doing a uh, an episode by episode breakdown of a show, so there's a lot more of an engaged audience, especially right now as we're recording this in November. We're in the middle of season three, and of course, traffic has an uptick a- at that point. Mm-hmm. So what I've tried to do now is a combination of stuff. Of course, there's like the Facebook, you know, fan groups of like, um, I, I used to do this with the UGO too, of like, whenever we'd have a podcast about a specific episode, like say I interviewed, uh, uh, was it, uh, I interviewed some, one of the voice actors for Voltron one time. And then I, I found a Voltron Facebook group and I threw the interview up there. Like I joined the Facebook group and I'm like, Hey, here's the, here's this podcast interview, uh, with, uh, Jeremy Shutta of, uh, of Voltron and I throw it up there. So I found for Pot Against Evil, I found the Stand Against Evil fan club over on Twitter and Facebook. And uh, so now I post a lot of stuff there. I interact with a lot of the fan community there. And I'll I'll try and be active and, uh, you know, I'll share other people's art. Like I'll uh, I'll ask people like, oh, man, I love this Stand Against Evil art. Would you mind if I shared it on my feeds and credited you? Or and then maybe I can come have you on on the podcast and what I what we call fan against evil, in which I have fans on to talk about how much they love fan against or uh, stand against evil, and then that way they can share like, oh guys, I was on a podcast talking about my favorite show. Let me let me share it. When when you're on a niche show like this, it's very much kind of grassroots stuff of like me searching on searching just keywords stand against evil on Twitter and then liking people's posts or responding to people's posts and going, that is a good point. My goodness. And even if it's just like, oh my God, this is such a good point. But then like, hey, who who responded to my post about stand against evil? No one ever talks to me about stand against evil. This what's pod against evil? Click, click, click. Those are the <laughs> Those are the clicks that I'm hunting for. Right. And so far, it has been, you know, somewhat success, like somewhat successful. I would say, like, 
the, the numbers for a niche show uh, or a niche podcast about a niche show, we're not going to get buffering the buffering uh, cast. We're not going to get those numbers. We're not going to get a Game of Thrones podcast numbers or something. But the the numbers we've got for the for the show that we're we're covering, I would say, are respectable, and uh, the audience is very engaged. The people who love Stan love it. So I like that. I'm trying to hook that energy right now. Yeah, I think not only the people who love Stan Against Evil love your podcast, but the people who make Stan Against Evil also <laughs> seem to love your podcast. I mean, you have Dana Gould, the creator of the show, retweeting uh, your tweets and, and tweeting about your podcast. You've interviewed John C. McGinley, and he speaks very positively about, about what you do uh, for the show. Tell me about some of these bigger interviews. Like, how did you how did you land some of these interviews with some of these stars? We already talked about Janet Varney, and you established a relationship with her by meeting her at a con. But how did you plug into the uh, the cast and creators of Stan to get them on your show? Short answer: I fell ass backwards into it. <laughs> um, but longer answer: like one of the one of the considerations I I had for making Pot Against Evil was that like oh. Well, I can at least get Janet in for an interview. I already had her on for a couple other things, so we have an established kind of rapport. And I know I so I know and she has an open like as far as publicists or something, she has an open email, especially for JV Club where you can just e- anyone can just go up and email her and she she may not respond back, but she'll at least read everything on there. That's one of her promises is to read uh, all of her stuff that people send her. So she's a little more accessible than a lot of the other celebrities that you might run into. What happened after that was that one of the people over at That's My Entertainment, uh, who is also pro- uh, one of the promotional people behind Stand Against Evil, found the podcast. And when it, when you have a show like Stand Against Evil that just doesn't... IFC just didn't have like the marketing faith behind it. Ash versus the Evil Dead was on at the same time. They thought they were going to get killed. It's very surprising we got a season three at all. Hopefully we get the season four. When you have a show like that, you want to latch onto any as much marketing opportunity as you can. So, like I understand from their perspective, like ah, we need we need people talking about this this show. Who can we get to talk about this show? Hey, there's this guy who put up his own money and time making a whole podcast dedicated to the show, he might have opinions on it. So they contacted me and we set up a, a sponsorship thing so that they would sponsor the the podcast uh, for a couple months there. And then uh, they gave us uh, the contact information for a lot of the publicists behind Johnson McGinley, Deborah Baker Jr., Dana Gould, we got interviews from people that we wouldn't even have considered before, like uh, Gordy the Mailman in one of the episodes, the special effects team uh, behind it. One of one of my new favorite people ever now, which is one of the man, one of the people behind the monsters of Standing Against Evil, Mick Ignis. Mm-hmm. He's a guy I would never even have thought to had on, but I'm so glad that the people over at That's My Entertainment suggested him because he was a, he's a fantastic guy, great podcast presence. So now I can just, t- I, I can talk to him about other, other projects as well for my other podcasting projects. Cause he does a lot of work for monsters and stuff. Like he's on that new show, Netflix uh, on Netflix. Um, fuck. What's it called? Uh, Ooh, can we swear on here? Yeah, Shit. Of course. Fuck. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> And the, now I'm just thinking of like, man, I probably swore a lot more than 
what I've been thinking I have. I forget what it's called, the, the macabre, like the, that kind of cooking kind of show, but it's also a horror show on Netflix. Oh, the one with uh, Christine McConnell? Yes, yes. He's, he's some of the monsters in that show. That's interesting. Yeah, my wife loves that show, and she kind of got me into it. Oh, funny. I didn't know McIngus was on that. That's cool. He's probably the giant werewolf. I think he is. Yeah. So it was That's My Entertainment who sponsored your show for a bit and then helped hook you up with some of these interviews and kind of used what you were already doing in terms of coverage of Stand Against Evil to do some coverage for them on the show. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then... Uh, I started working for them a little bit for other projects as well, just doing some freelance writing and interview work. When, once they, I interviewed with John, John C. McGinley, they liked how much of a rapport I had with him. Apparently, he's a, <laughs> a passionate man, let's say, and not everyone uh, knows how to do like an interview with him. And uh, I've, always, I've always been good with, with people. And sometimes it's hard to have a chemistry with someone over Skype mm-hmm. uh, when you're when you don't have the face to face. So I, I make it a point to just try and get a little more of a casual. Like a, I, I call myself a, a professionally casual, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that led me in kind of doing that, and now I'm trying to branch out and do some other interview and writing work for other uh, sites. I, I like to keep busy. Yeah, it sounds like it. So. That's my entertainment's not sponsoring Pot Against Evil anymore? No, that we ran into an issue, and uh, I was struggling with how much to, to share with this. But, you know, just in case anyone is out there and they run into this, because this is, this is the first time we had any sponsorship for any of our podcasting programs. For those of you who don't know how podcasting sponsorship works, you need a certain level of listenership, and then you can market yourself. To, or, or, like, you need either a certain level of listenership that, where you can get, like, people like Audible or, or other people to do, you can do ads for in order to, you know, get some monetary value on your podcast. But that's going to, that's going to mean you're going to need, like, at least, like, 10,000 downloads, like, a per month. episode. Or yeah. Per episode. Yeah. Like, you yeah. need, you need massive numbers. And while I, you know, while I'll consider, like, our podcasts were in my eyes their successes of like given the goals that i have and the things that i want to do as far as monetizing them in that way we we've never even gotten close to that barrier so <laughs> the, that's all the question now the other thing you can do is what like i did is nicheify if you have a nicheified podcast you might be able to get sponsorship from specifics, you know, specific places like, you know, that's my entertainment was very invested in the stand against evil show. So they were willing to sponsor us, even though our listenership would not have constituted it otherwise. So that led us to do a deal for a mid roll and a front roll that worked out great for us for a little while. Um, and then this is where I learned a lot of the social media stuff. They wanted me to do a lot more social media we I went to New York. Uh, I did some interviews with them, and they gave me a crash course in doing live on camera stuff. Like I did a like a whole thing with all the cast of Gotham. I did on camera interviews, which was a co- whole new experience for me uh, on this press junket style. So yeah, they gave me all these videos to share too. Of like, hey, share these on your social media, especially for anything. We we interviewed all the stand people while we were there for New York, and I wanted to share everything 
on our social media, like everything there. So I was messing around with Instagram and Instagram, you can't share videos that are over a minute long. And there was this thing that happened during one of our interviews where Johnson McGinley starts rapping during my and Janet's interview. And it's a really funny moment, but it's like an it's a minute and a half long. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'll just cut it down to a minute. Here's John C. McGinley uh, uh, interrupting me and Janet's interview by doing a freestyle rap. I just thought that would be really funny. And so this is what I learned about copyright kids is that if you manipulate an image that you don't own, even if you give credit to the person that owns it, and even if you're working for those people, apparently it is a no-no. And so for me, this was an interesting experience because they pulled sponsorship right after that. They went almost radio silent. It could be now that I'm just working on Pot Against Evil and that they already had told me that like, oh, for November, we want you to focus on Stand Against Evil. So we, I haven't been doing much writing or interview work for them in the month, month of November. Um, but also they have not contacted me back once yet. So... It was very interesting to go from very warm and respective, like, we're going to teach you how to do stuff and don't worry about messing up because that's part of the process too, to, oh, you messed with our copyright. We're not talking to you anymore. We need to, we need to slap your wrist. And on one level, I get it. Like, I totally get it. I'm very thankful to, for That's My Entertainment to providing me the opportunities that I would not have gotten. I've learned a lot working with them. And, I, and it's not like I won't work with them again. Given the opportunity, I would love to, you know, do some more work with them. But I'm still foggy on copyright because <laughs> the copyright is so unclear on purpose. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard, especially with video. And I was like, okay. And it's like, oh, well, you know. So what What was the video, the actual copyrighted image? Or what was copyrighted on that? There was a... That's my entertainment interview. So it had their... So the whole thing, yeah, you were there on their dime doing work mm-hmm. for them. Right. And then I guess the copyright issue was that you you used that content on another content channel, which was your own independent one, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, well, I think the, the, the main issue they were saying to me, too, is that I manipulated the image. Got it. Because I had cut it down from a minute and a half to a minute, that was the big thing, or at least that's what they said. Mm-hmm. Um, now, also, I have I have my own suspicions of like we once we sponsored with them, we had to reveal our numbers for the podcast, mm-hmm. and I think they had an idea of our numbers being bigger than they were. Hmm. So I don't think it was I don't think it was worth it for them to sponsor us for every episode in the first place. It is tricky working with sponsors and with corporations even if they're small ones you know i used to have a gilmore girls podcast and there was an advertiser who wanted to sponsor our show and it was a small tea company and they made teas right Mm -hmm. and i was a young podcaster and i thought this is great this is this is exciting i'm gonna have a sponsor on my show and my initial interactions with them were we're fans of your podcast. We're fans of Gilmore Girls. It was a Gilmore Girls podcast. And we would like to sponsor and we do tea. And do you think some of your listeners would like tea? I'm like, yeah, everybody likes tea, you know? Well, great. And then the more I spoke to them, let me 
think of how to phrase this. The more I spoke to them, the more disingenuous the the person seemed on the other end. They mm. were they were talking about how all the Gilmore Girls always drink tea, and tea is a perfect product to push on our podcast. The Gilmore Girls never drink tea; they drink coffee. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I was like, this is this is maybe not a good fit. And it was really, you know, a lot of times, you know, sponsors are really just wanting to tap into your audience and that is it. You know, there's really nothing deeper to it than that. And they'll do whatever they can to tap into your audience and gain what they can or what they want out of it. Um, it's hard to find a a sponsorship with a company or a product that's more of a, a partnership, you know, and it sounded like that's what you had at the at the beginning there, and hopefully that's what that's what you will have. But yeah, it's it's really difficult to have a to find a good sponsor that your audience won't mind listening to the ads and will actually benefit from their product, and the sponsor itself just cares about what you're doing and supports you. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It's hard to find that. No, I I and I do understand protecting your copyright and everything. It was just we had a very friendly i was at a very friendly demeanor with everyone over there and it was just like it, it, they even used the words like it's okay if you mess up we we know you're new to this so it's that's all right but apparently it's only it's only okay if you mess up in certain ways <laughs> right right um i've heard some other ads on your show like for a stand against evil merch site um can you talk about that oh sure well that is a kind of part of the deal with that's my entertainment is that they wanted a ad role for the the fan club that they run they run the stand against evil fan club so that shows up in the mid credits of our uh of our show stand against evil merch is a thing that they suggested we mention and that one is more like we don't get paid by the ifc or stand against evil to mention the 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 merch thing that's more of us tactically trying to promote the merchandise because merchandise has been just introduced to stand against evil mm-hmm. and ratings are fine and everything for a channel to convince people to keep a tv show on but what really works is money so the more money we can show that stand against evil generates the more likely we get that season four and first and foremost are we we do the podcast because we love Stand Against Evil so much. We want season four to happen. We want this show to go as long as possible. So we just do the ad read for Shop Against Evil on our own accord in the hopes that we can convince anyone to get a wear pony shirt or yeah. or this this season they have the Nubbins, which is their evil version of the Muppets that has its own shirt out right now. Nice. Uh, I think that's great because... If I'm a big Stand Against Evil fan, that's what I want to hear. I want to hear that the guy hosting a podcast about Stand Against Evil loves the show so much that he says things like, we need to get a season four. Not, I hope the show that I like gets a season four, but we, you know, like you feel like you're part of it and you're completely invested in the future of the show. And you say things like, we need to support the show by promoting its merchandise so people will buy it and that'll help the show potentially get another season in terms of building an audience and building credibility for what you're doing i think that is one of the biggest things you can do is do everything you can to support what you're covering your subject 
uh, without, you know, without necessarily, without getting paid for it. So I think that's a great thing you're doing. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, th- that's also important for any audience you 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 build in a podcast. For 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 me at least, is that you the, the, your fa- your your listeners need to feel like they're part of something. That's what uh, as far as the the stand fans, as I like to call them, I feel like if you love something as niche and specific as Standing as Evil, you don't get to talk about it uh, as much with your friends just around the couch. So hopefully, you can come to us and we can talk about it. It feels like we're talking about it together and sharing that love. Yeah, that's why I do the whole fan against evil thing too. Does just talk to fans of the show and hopefully convert new fans. Uh, I mean, that was what I was half what I was doing when I was down in Austin was just trying to turn people on to Stand Against Evil because I really like I love the show enough that I don't mind proselytizing it and really like just going door to I I would go door to door and just like (laughs) Jehovah's Witness of like Do you have sorry Do you have a few minutes to talk about uh, our, our Lord Stan? (laughs) <laughs> very good uh can you just drop me all your websites and social media uh well you can find me at uh nick tice on twitter n-i-c-k-t-h-y-e-s uh or on facebook if you want to follow me personally uh, if you want to follow any of my podcasting projects you can follow me of course at pot against evil uh at pot against evil on twitter and instagram or pot against evil on facebook or pot against evil uh standing it's evil podcast.com and you can follow uh, the UGO podcast uh, on the UG on unapologeticgeekout.com or at UGO podcast on Facebook. Uh, Netflix and Kill, our UGO spinoff, is getting its own iTunes feed that you can also find uh, at NK Pod, I think is the Twitter account. I don't know. I've been struggling to find an uh, unused one for it. Uh, but you can all find it on Facebook at Netflix and Kill or Netflix and Kill slash podbean.com. All right. Thanks for listening to Create Pod. Thank you, Nick, for coming on the show. Um, remember, if you need a place to record a great sounding podcast, visit us at Permanent Record Studios here in Austin. Find us online at permanentrcrd.com. Um, visit us at Create Pod ATX. Find all of our podcasts there. And find us on Twitter at Create Pod ATX. Thank you guys for checking out the show. And until next time. We love you. We love you. I don't like this outro, but we go with it, I guess. You started it. We love you. I love we, you. We're starting to not love this outro. <laughs> <laughs> but we love the listener. <laughs> <laughs>